I want to um, pick up, as you notice, I've been working through and thinking through, and if you are paying attention, Sunday is complimenting what we're doing here on Tuesday night. Hey, Sister Mary, I haven't seen you in a minute. God bless you, baby. Uh, it's, it's, um, they're complimenting one another what I'm trying to convey. And tonight I want to lift up a message again uh, concerning Moses' request of God. And uh, for those of you who have been following along with me, the, sermon, the Bible study series I've been working on is called, I Need More. And I believe this is the fifth iteration of this message. And uh, if I'm wrong, Brother Solomon's going to have to give me the right number. Amen. Uh, thank you again, Brother Solomon. What a marvelous job they've been doing, audiovisual and all the technology they keep bringing in every week. is just getting better and better. Or as the old lady said, gooder and gooder. Amen. But I've been trying to lift this idea up that uh, Moses has this desire for more from God. And I want to lift that idea up again tonight, and I want to go back to our original starting text or founding text in Exodus 33. And uh, I want to make a couple suggestions, and I have three things I want you to take from this that Moses teaches us before we get to this wonderful climactic portion of the text. But beginning at verse 7, Exodus 33, now Moses used to take his own tent and pitch it outside the camp, far away from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting of God with his own people. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the temporary tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand, each at his tent door, and look at Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the doorway of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tent door, all the people would rise and worship, each at his tent door. And so the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his attendant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways so that I may know you. And I'm going to stop right there for the moment. Middle of the verse, I'm stopping. One of the things that I think Moses gives us a glimpse of is true human nature. And the thing I'm glad about about the Bible is that the Bible does not try to hide the humanity of its heroes. It doesn't try to hide the fact that the leaders, the heroes and heroines of the Word have life issues, or to put it more clearly, are affected by their human concerns. The Bible doesn't try to hide the fact that their humanity sometimes creeps up on them. Regardless of the depth of their personal relationship with the Lord, their humanity is still their humanity. Regardless of the intimacy of their talk with God, they are walking with God. In the case of Moses, the Bible says that Moses speaks with God face to face. 
It is not something that is an illusion. It's not something that only Moses knows about. People know about it so much so that when Moses goes out and he has his tent set up, the Bible says that the people who want to seek the Lord go out as well. They follow him out there because they know whenever he goes in, the glory cloud's going to come. And they want to see the glory of the Lord. They want to see what God's going to do. They want to see God move and manifest. And the cloud would descend in front of the doorway. And Moses on the inside would speak to God face to face. Metaphorically, if you will, because that's a conversation, meaning that they would have an upfront personal dialogue. Moses has this wonderful intimate relationship with God. God is speaking to him. He's speaking to God. God's giving him instructions. He's listening to God. But yet, Moses has on the inside some uncertainty. Notice, if you will, the text does not suggest that everybody wants to seek the Lord. The text says those who sought the Lord. In other words, not everybody was at the same level of trying to get closer to God, but those that wanted to get closer to God wanted to be closer to where Moses was. And you have to understand that there are a lot of levels in any group. So whenever you have a group of people, and I don't care if they all belong to the same church, and they all may pray at the same time, they all may be in the same position, everybody's at a different level of how much or how willing they are to go out of their way to seek God. Because see, those who were going out to the tent of meeting with Moses were those who wanted something deeper. They wanted more from God. So they went out where the more was happening. They went with the man who was having the more experience so they could see him have the experience. And they stood in their tent door to watch him in the tent door meeting, have a meeting with God knowing that the spirit of the living God may fall fresh on them as well. It's interesting because they want to see what God's doing. Moses is experiencing it. They want to experience it vicariously through Moses. They want to vicariously experience it. Why do you say vicariously? Because they're not at the tent door. They're not a part of that conversation. They're watching it. They're not in front of the cloud. They're watching the cloud. They're not in the midst of the dialogue. They don't even know what's being said. They can't even hear whisper. They're watching. But it was better to be present at the watching ceremony than to not be there at all. At least I could see something. Sort of like being at the inauguration of Barack Hussein Obama. Many people were there at the Washington Mall, not because they could be up there to participate, but at least I want to see history being made. Interesting is that they came to be there near the situation, but Moses is experiencing it and in a way, even though he is experiencing this wonderful move of God, he's not quite satisfied. That's deep. Probably a little deeper than you reaching right now, so let me go a little closer to you, help you understand something. God is meeting with Moses at the tent door, only the two of them in close quarters, Anybody else is just looking on. Moses having a conversation with God, G-O-D, the big one. Mr. Big Stuff himself, he's right there. And yet, Moses says, that was nice, but I need more. 
I need something else. I think that a part of what Moses is experiencing is not so much a God issue as it is an issue of how do I reconcile what my life is like against what my spiritual life is and how do I reassure my flesh, my humanity of where God is. Because see, I know he's meeting with God at the door and I know God is with him, but the folks who are there who have been following him have not been doing such a good job following him. They've already tried to make a pagan god. They've already tried to make idols. They've already been willing to worship something foreign deity. They've already been willing to kick God to the curve. And in a way, Moses is sitting there and he's kind of like, am I a failure? as a leader, that I can't even go away and pray for a few days and folk not lose their mind? And am I a failure as a leader that I, I can't step away and trust my, my own brother to hold down the fort and he gonna become the principal maker of an idol? Have I messed up my leadership capacity in such a way that the people don't have enough faith? Knowing that I'm up there talking with God, they see the presence of God there. And in truth, it is at this point that all of you need to identify with the Moses in you because you have areas of your life where you feel like you can talk to God face to face and where God knows you and you know God and there's a deep intimacy. And yet, there are those other places where prayers have gone unanswered. Lord, I know you love me. I know I love you, but what about my children? Lord, I know I love you. I know you love me. Lord, what about my spouse? Lord, I know I love you. I know you love me, but what about my financial situation? I know I've been praying, God, but what about this over here that keeps nagging me? God, I know we have been intimate, but God, what about my body? Why isn't it lining up with your word? Why am I still sick? Why do I still feel bad? Why am I not healed yet? If we're so tight, where are you at on the areas that are messed up? Where are you at on the things that are unfinished or undone? Where are you at? Watch this. Now, this is going to mess with somebody's head. Where are you at on the things that people are undercutting me in? Where are you at on the places where they're talking about me? Because they were talking about him. They were are there no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here? Where are you at there? And all of us can identify with Moses 
when it comes to the human experience where we have been praying and praying and yet feel an emptiness in our relationship with God. And what's crazy about it, this is what's really crazy, is that we are sure we prayed and we're sure we touched heaven and yet there is room to improve on this relationship. And really, saints, that's where Moses is tonight. Moses is not just wanting to be deep for deepness sake. He, he doesn't need another testimony to tell anybody. He doesn't need to tell anybody anything. He, he, they, they can already see God's with him. That matter of fact, they show up to church to see God with him. They show up to church, see the glory cloud fall on him. They show up looking for God to show up. They know who he is. He doesn't need anything for them. He needs something for him. I need to know where you are. Based on this, based on this, and, and I hope you are, are rolling with me tonight. Based on this, Moses teaches us three lessons, I believe, of things that in our humanity we need assurances. Three assurances that we need. Three assurances. This is a part of the I need more. The first of which is a familial connection. Familial connection. Familial connection, the word familial relates to family. Now, 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 Moses has a relationship with God that puts him in a place where God and he were face to face. God talked to him as friend to friend. God talked to him like a son. God loved him. But Moses, in the middle of it, needed an assurance of this connection. I need to know that whatever is getting ready to happen next, you and I are tight. Whatever the next battle is, I need to know you there. I need to know that we are connected and that you're connected to these people here. Because see, these have to be your people. They have to be distinguished upon all the people of the rest of the world. The world needs to know these are your people. Look at verse 16. He says, For how then can it be known that your people and I have found favor in your sight? Is it not by your going with us? so that we are distinguished, your people and I, from all the other people on the face of the earth. God, I just, we got, I need to, I need to know that your presence is gonna be with us, that you, I need an assurance. I, I don't know, I don't know if you've ever had, um, okay, let me, let me do it like this. I, any of you ever had to have surgery any, any kind of surgery? Anybody ever have surgery? Anybody ever have to go under? 
to put you under anesthesia? There's something about knowing you're going under that makes you think about death in another way. Because you know, you know you're one step closer to, to biting the dust. You know, you, you just, you, in, your, in your mind, you're like, man, I'm going to be worm food real soon. I know that's rough. I, I, I could have said it a better way. And it's something about you just need that last prayer. That last one, God just give me your assurance I'm coming up out of this. Now everybody done prayed for you, laid hands on you, drop oil on your head. Everybody told you, oh, child, went through that a long time ago. Yeah, I had that happen. No big deal. Yeah, you said it now that you're done. I want to know what you look like when you're on your way in. No, there's something about life that you can go through situations even when you know it's going to be all right, that you just need someone to give you that last little boost. I love that old hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation, purchased by God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And then they, they said, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my something about his need there to know that God had accepted him in a special divine human relationship. And I do believe that it is something that you and I need. And we need to go back and spend enough time with God to where we can walk in that assurance. Because see, you walk different when you know you walk with the Lord. Let me say that again. You walk different when you know you walk with the Lord. If you believe God's really on your side, just to, to, give, you a little, to give you a little extra spring in your step. I, I'm going back again to the last illustration, so hold on to it for a moment. Have you ever had that last prayer where you got the peace in your heart and they said it's time to go and you're like, let's do this. It's okay now. Let's get it. Because you know it's all, it's something about, it's something that clicks. So let me give you, if you get, get an A and B underneath this here, the, the A is don't be ashamed if you need to check your connection. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. 
And the B is, God will not be offended when you check your connection. Teach what? Did you notice that when Moses asked God to show him his glory, God does not say, Boy, I done been with you all this time. I done keep showing up in front of this tent door. I can't understand why you gonna ask me that. Where you gonna come? Look, haven't I proven myself to you? Lord, it ain't about you right now. It's about you helping this flesh you gave me. You're fine. I just need a little more of you in my flesh so I can be as fine as you are. It ain't about you. It's about me now. It's about what I need in order to survive what I'm going through. Don't be ashamed to check your connection. And the B is, God will not be offended when you check your connection. Number two. Number two, I hope y'all stay with me for a moment. Number one, he wanted to know he had a familial connection. Number two, he wanted to know he had a faithful commitment. A faithful commitment. Because it's not enough just to have a connection. I need to know that you, God, are committed to going with us that you, God, are committed to making this happen, that we found favor in your sight. I need to know that you're committed to this because see, Lord, not only am I worried about being distinguished from everyone else, I'm worried about being extinguished by everyone else if you're not with us. We don't have that big of an army. We don't have all the weapons we need. In the case of the Israelites uh, on the battlefield with Goliath, one of the things that if you read the text a little deeper, you'll find out that the Philistines had kept the Israelites from getting the metal necessary to make proper weapons. So they were there, but many of them did not have swords. Many of them did not have proper weapons to fight with. So you had farmers fighting with picks while they had soldiers fighting with swords. And sometimes you got to realize that these people who were out there in the wilderness, they were not soldiers. They were mothers and fathers and children who had grown up in slavery. Some of them were not well fed. Some of them were not in good health. They had walked right off out from a Pharaoh's army, a Pharaoh's place of building his temples and building his shrines and got right on the road heading with the Lord. They had not had a chance to really sleep or eat. They were deprived. And so some of them were just getting nourished back into good health and they were not a fighting machine. They weren't some well-oiled army. They made themselves into a militia. They made themselves into an army. But they didn't come out as an army. How do you form an army in your in slavery? How do you form an army when everybody around you is being told what to do by a master? 
So what he knows is, God, if I don't get a commitment from you, I don't want to go nowhere else. I stay right here on this hill where you show up at. I don't want to go, let me be Alabamian for a minute, another further. I don't want to go another further. If you don't make a firm commitment to me now that you're going, not just that you're going, but that you're going with us and that we're going to be there together, that this battle is not mine, but it's the Lord's. That's, and I'm going to get this again. <clears throat> the issue with the children of Israel, the reason they became the Lord's army and the Lord's soldiers is because they became an army dependent not on battlement or armaments, but on God. So it wasn't their superior tactics. It wasn't the fact that they had read some good military strategy book. It was that God and the commander of the host of the armies of angels were with them. And I want to suggest to you that, that, that if you want to make it, and, and the more that you need is a faithful commitment. That's, that's when you know, what do you mean, Reverend? Let, let me help you. He wanted an assurance that God was sending him, but also that God was going. And there's nothing wrong with you praying and spending some time with God before you make your next move to know that God is sending you and he's going with you. See, sometimes people will have the right idea but the wrong time. Let me, I'm, I don't know, I probably told you a story. I've been here 33 years now, so I probably told every story in my life, but. I started preaching when I was 15, everybody knows that. Uh, by the time I was 16, I got a job at the hospital, Yellowhaven Hospital, working uh, in the nursing department as a sitter. It's a great job. Uh, a sitter's job was that you, if someone were, had a suicidal ideation and was in the hospital, the hospital was responsible for their welfare while they were there. So they would hire people to sit in the room with them if they were on the medical floor to make sure nothing happened to them. You had no medical responsibility. You weren't supposed to do anything. But if they tried to go for the window, you had to make sure they didn't get there. If they tried to do something hot, you had to stop them. And that meant you had to call, you know, someone to come help and whatever. Okay. So I started preaching when I was 15. The word of the Lord came to me when I was 16 that I was called the pastor and that I was going to be in ministry full time. So I started preaching when I was 15. I was working at 16 when I got the word of the Lord, so I quit my job. Because <laughs> I was supposed to be full time. <laughs> yeah, that's right, sis. I was anxious. That's it. The truth of the matter is, Knowing that God is sending you is one thing. Knowing he's going with you is also important because the going with you relates to timing. And some of us mess up, not because God didn't speak to you. 
Not because God doesn't love you or God didn't say it, but because you got ahead of yourself and got out of the timing of God. You got to make sure what he was checking is, now Lord, if you're not ready to move, and if you're still angry with these people over here, and you're not going to do anything, I need to know, because I'm not willing to go anywhere without you. My next move is going to be with you or with you. Other than that, I will kizzy, stay put. <clears throat> All of you Roots fans caught that one. I'm going to stay put. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. No, no. This, you ain't going to mess my life up like that. I see young preachers all the time. They get a word from the Lord, and it's from the Lord. And now all of a sudden, they're ready to run. And I be looking. I say, okay. You do you, boo-boo. Because <clears throat> let me tell you something. If, uh, if uh, what, 50% said, what was it 50%? Said it was hard out here for a pimp. Oh, that was in uh, that wasn't fifty. What was that? Who that? I know Donnie. No, good job. <laughs> yeah, I mess with him. I ain't seen him in a while. I got mess with him. Listen, if you think it's hard for a pimp, you ought to see what it's like for a preacher out of season. Ain't nothing worse than a broke preacher. Listen, Moses is like, look, I need from you a faithful commitment. Lord, are you going with me? Finally, and I'm going to stop. I know I, I can go on. But the last thing in the text, the last thing in the text, I need one other assurance. I told you the three assurances we all need. The third assurance is this. Future conduct. Future conduct. In other words, Lord, I need to know that if we move, you're going to fight for us. I need to know where you're going to be in the fight. I need to know what you're going to do in the future. I need to see where you're at. One of the old Clint Eastwood movies years ago, Clint, Clint made his movie, and, and in the movie he plays this uh, former Confederate soldier, and he's there, and he's been fighting, and they get pinned down in this little house, and uh, they're in the house, they all there, and Clint gets everybody set up to fight, and then he walks out the door, and he goes get on the horse. And everybody in the house is like, hey, where, where are you going? You're the best fighter we got. Get back in here and shoot with us. Old Indian fella looked up and said, he's not leaving. He knows he fights best out there. We'll be in here protected. He'll fight best in front of us. Out. Wait a minute, y'all. I know you missed it. I know you missed it. They needed to hear from the Indian guy what was going on because they were about to lose heart. They were about to feel bad. They were about to sit back and start crying and cowering instead of locking their weapons and getting ready to shoot because, see, they needed to be in the fight too. 
But he needed to be out front in order to make sure that the battle went the way it was supposed to go. But they needed to be inside and they needed to be ready to fire their weapons. And they needed the reassurance to know he didn't leave you. He just went to fight in front of you. Y'all ain't got this thing yet. What you need to know is when you believe God left you, it is not that he left you. He's just going ahead of you to take care of the battle before you. He's going to fight with you and before you. And since he goes ahead of you, he will already win the battle before you get in it because the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. And he goes before you, he gives you a commitment that he will be there even to the end of the world.